Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 179th episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. We are powered by 8bit.net and Audio Technica. And I am one of your extremely humble hosts, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere, Brendan8bit. And joining me today, the CEO of Anime TT Games, the West Coast Warrior, finder at Miss Ali Hart. This is Miss Ali Hart. How are you doing? This Saturday morning, Friday afternoon. I'm doing well. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I feel special. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, it's surprising that I can structure words and chain them together so coherently <laughs> right now because I'm yet to have a coffee. Uh, it's just tick past eight in the morning. Didn't get to bed till probably 1.30. I have a gut full of Korean barbecue in me oh, right now. I miss um, Korean barbecue. They have is, it is here. There... No, they have it here, okay. but it's like... In Sydney, I already kind of had to d- establish my connections and my know-how and like, I had to know people who knew the right places and all that sort of stuff. And here I'm all by myself, so I've got like no connections. I wouldn't even know where to go kind of thing. Yeah. So, And I just miss it. I just miss it so much. You, you got to live and die off Yelp reviews and things like that and, oh. and, and trust the people. Uh, Yelp's bad. They I know that people pay for that sort of shit, but yeah, I just miss it. Yeah. I miss that good... Good old uh, Korean barbecue. Oh. Yeah, because um, it's it's very much like not all Korean barbecues are the same. Like yeah. you think, oh yeah, some some meat on a on a hot plate you cook yourself. It's it's all one in the sense. Like no, it's not. The the meat quality is different. The ingredients that that accompany that meat's different. The way it's maybe marinated and everything yeah. else. And mm-hmm. um, we've got this local. Uh, it's called uh, Sunny Seoul, like as in capital of Korea. Mm-hmm. So uh, a little bit of wordplay there in Sunnybank, which is sort of like the Asian hub of Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And um, this place, it's a little dingy hole in the wall looking joint. Um, very, very understated, decrepit looking decor, but. The meat's great. The service is pretty great, and we, uh, you know, ate our body weight in various pork and beef last night, mm. and uh, it was really good. But then we stupidly decided to uh, there was this new limited Hungry Jack's burger. We're like, <laughs> we really need, really need to try this, so we're driving home, and we pull in and we get this like uh, Grill Master's cheeseburger, and it's got a big chorizo patty on top of it as oh. well, like a big, like nearly meat patty sized chorizo disc that sits wow. on top. And we're like, we just try it. I'm like, I just literally want a bite or two just to see what it's like. So yeah. we tried that and it was good, but it was a bad idea because it pushed us over the edge. Yeah, and chorizo is a very high salt like content in it. So then you'll get like bloated and hold the water retention and everything. So it's it's not a fun experience. Oh, no, no. And the, the saltiness from the chorizo, plus it had like some real sort of real salty acidic like barbecuey sauce with something oh, yeah. else on it so i'm eating it mm-hmm. i can just feel my lips just wither away as i'm <laughs> chewing on this thing uh, so i was very husk like last night but uh yeah korean barbecue love it you need to find some because mm-hmm. it's so great yeah it is great and I, it's funny the same rules apply i think with korean barbecue and as i've learned um like a burrito place like uh, not dodgy but the more like kind of like mm, rough around the edges the place looks chances are that's where the best is gonna be like 
I've never had a burrito before and my partner took me there and it looks dodgy. I like, I wouldn't have gone there. Like the sign has graffiti all over it and it like, it looks dodgy as the best carne asada burrito ever, ever. Can can I, can I double back for a second there? Did Mm. you say you've never had a burrito before? (laughs) No, I never Never? ate a burrito, no. What? No, I never had a burrito. If it like whenever I would go to like Mad Max or any you know Guzman or whatever, it was just strictly burrito bowl. And I don't know what okay. I had against it because on paper, technically, like a burrito is like a um, oh, what's it called? Uh, like a kebab. It's the same kind yeah. of thing. It's you know a yeah. little parcel of meat and some veg and everything. So it should technically be the same. But um, oh, that like. I think it's good that that was my first one too because it set a high, high bar. Nothing else is going to compare to it now. Yeah, like that's that's tough because you, you've ascended the mountain already. Yeah. So if you go anywhere else <laughs> and it's else slightly downhill. less impressive, you're going to be like, God damn it. Exactly. So, yeah. But yeah, the dodgy it is probably the better the better quality, the better the 100%. 100%. And I think with the burrito, the best bites of the whole burrito is the first couple and the last couple where you've got just the little burrito tortilla sort of pillow at the bottom that you can sort of smash in one bite and you yeah. just get that really soft tortilla with all the meat and rice and whatever I am else you got going starving. on in there. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I'm still digesting a lot of Korean barbecue and a Hungry Jack's burger, but uh, I'll find some room to get some breakfast after this and uh, keep living my best life. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, episode 179 of the Hunger Games podcast, episode two for the calendar year of 2020, mm. recording live on the 25th of Jan or 24th of Jan for you uh, foreigners out there. <laughs> but uh, I guess we could ask, Miss Hart, mm. what have you been doing? Any, anything of note you want to bring to the table that you've played, that you've seen, that you've witnessed, <laughs> that you've read? What's, what's, what's the news? Truth be told, I am still on the Minecraft grind, so I'm not going to bore the public with that, unfortunately. I have played uh, a game that it technically should have piqued my interest earlier, but it's, and I'm going to butcher this, Darimon? Darimon, yeah. Yeah, Story of Seasons. Now, just based on face value of, like, just looking at the cover picture, straight away, like, Stardew Valley, um, Harvest Moon, straight up the vibes. And I, I downloaded it, downloaded the demo, I might add. And it's exactly that. It's the farming, you know, develop friendships, get items, upgrade items, build up your farm. But um, I really wanted to like it. I like, cause it's very cute. The character designs are cute and obviously it's already an established universe. So there's a lot of characters and familiar, like familiar like characters i assume um but fuck it's dialogue heavy yeah so dialogue heavy you just like just mashing through a lot of text lines at the bottom so many text lines and there's like there's like barely any skippable like options like you can make the text appear faster but it it didn't really make a difference and it's like it's borderline harassment where like you know how sometimes you could avoid people like you're like i just want to kind of do my own thing i know there's a mission there but i'll do my own thing i'll get to that mission later unfortunately here they just full up harass you they'll just come up in your zone and just be like hey i lost my glove go find that shit i really yeah i got my potatoes are here i really kind of want to focus on that right now but no i gotta go find a glove oh and there's this horrible story about like finding a dog out in the rain oh yeah 
that didn't see that's that's that see that's one that had prioritized the potatoes yeah well yeah that that and that was another one that kind of just like forced on you like i was just wondering about and the next thing you know it's like it's dark it's rainy now he's a dog that's by itself and i'm like Mm. this game's like putting me through like my paces so like that really put me in a sad mood so i just don't think the overall experience was positive for me and i did gamble on the thought i'm like now do i buy this because maybe the full game is like much better maybe it's more open world maybe it's less um less harassment because maybe they just they tried to fit as much in in a tutorial that they could i mean Mm. sorry a demo that they could but um i kind of weighed out the options and considering my current addictions and all the other games that I want to play, I've decided to just put this one on the back burner. If anyone's actually played the full game and can convince me otherwise or that it gets better or that the demo was just bad or just let me know. But for now I'm sitting on, I'm not going to buy this one because I just did not like the experience. It was really jarring and very slow. Your little lead character has got some of the biggest sets of eyes I've ever seen. Mm. Um, that you play this this little fellow um but yeah i'd like i'm looking at it like it's positively received on steam and the like but it's very expensive like here mm-hmm. in australia it's 65 dollars for a copy of this little farming sim i think it was oh no you know what my switch store i think is still set in australian so that would probably make sense why it was the same price yeah it, it looks it looks looks pretty um mm. the art style is really nice like a lot of hand-drawn sort of environments with then your little animated characters yeah. sort of draped in over the top but yeah how, how many more farming sims does one need and exactly right i can understand if someone already had a connection with like the franchise that maybe that would draw them in but for me personally not really big into the franchise um and yeah there's other games out there like i mean i've still got stardew like you know, sitting around, not to mention that Animal Crossing is coming out soon. So I'll obviously be addicted to that. Yeah, so Graveyard um, Keeper still one to check out too. I, I keep love on getting, Graveyard Keeper. That one gets recommended to me a lot, like on Steam, on Switch and other people telling me to like get it. And I'm like, I know, like everyone says, they say it's uh, Stardew Valley for goths. So, <laughs> Who doesn't want that? So, yeah. So th- there's plenty of other options out there for me. So unfortunately, I wasn't really drawn to this one. Yeah. So does does Doramon, does he do much with you as you're trucking around? It looks yeah. like just from all the, the videos, he's sort of just almost in your back pocket, just following you around. <laughs> he he was a part of the oh no, he was a part of the harassment. Um so <laughs> you also get harassed by the mayor and he fucking pissed me off. But he kinda of, like Doramon what he does is he kind of like guides you, you know, he'll give you like items that can help you out with certain things and then he'll also like um, like advise you of certain missions. Um, I think there is actually a portal element from which I, what I remember, um, but I don't remember being able to actually access that or what that entails. So that might be another thing that I'm missing out on, but yeah. So the characters were barely rememberable. <laughs> I barely remember whoever I interacted with. So you just remember getting hassled by I everybody. I just got harassed, man. Like I just, you know, start out on this farm and then everyone's out there like, in my shit it makes you wonder how they've gotten to this level of success before you came along right you see these (laughs) games like no one no one takes ownership of anything it's like i've lost this i need this help me help me help me Mm. you've got to fix all their problems yet they're already apparently running a successful business or they're the mayor or they've (laughs) you know got a a budding farm yet you're Mm -hmm. the one that that keeps it all together yeah those same those familiar tropes these just useless people living out in the land that can't fend for themselves like 
It's certainly not like any farmers we probably know in the IRL, that's for sure. Yeah, I think I was missing out on that romance element too, which you kind of expect in these games. Ah, that's a given. Very important. Yeah, exactly. Like you go, like you know, if people are going to come out and harass you, you might as well be able to harass like the local lady folk. So hell yeah. Did you ever, did you ever watch Farmer Wants a Wife when you were back over this side of town? No, I never did. But I remember reading a statistic that they have out of all reality shows, they have the most successful marriage rate. Yeah, some wholesome country folk. <laughs> I don't understand. They why find that their works. own gloves. They find their own gloves and wet dogs out there. <laughs> <laughs> wet dogs. Uh, I'm I'm a sucker, and same with yourself. Like I'm a sucker for a good reality or a good bad reality show. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, watch the Circle recently. I don't know if you watched any of that yet on Netflix. What's the Circle? So it's like a it's a reality show which is sort of a social media experiment, Netflix oh. exclusive. First season's just come out mm. where a handful of people get taken into this apartment complex and they're locked into their own individual apartments and they need to create a social media profile of themselves or if they want to try and catfish and see if they can be popular enough to make their way to the end to win a hundred grand. What? So so you see like the the social semantics about you know, why they've picked that profile picture if they believe this person's fake. Are they putting it on? You're trying to, you see these people like flirting with the girls or the men to try and get cool and, and stay out of getting voted out to try and win this money. It's actually really well done. Like, and, and you watch it and a lot of it, you're like, man, I can see a lot of this and I've probably lived this or lived through other people, some of these tropes and uh, thought processes when it comes to social media and how you how you handle it and what you do and what you post out there. It's it's really interesting, really interesting. Like, anytime the word social experiment is used, I usually kind of cringe. But then this little aspect, like, it kind of feels a bit sore-ish. Do they, like, unlock... Is it, like, unlock a room after a room or is it just... No, just- no, no. So, you're, you're in an apartment, like, so they're all in their enclosed, um, self-contained apartments. So, you know, uh. bedroom, bathroom, all that. So, they just can't leave this apartment. Mm-hmm. All they've got access to during this several-week cycle is... They've got like screens around the place that, that pop up occasionally and you can do ch- like you can jump on and like text chat. Well, they do their voice to say what they want to say, but it gets converted to text and they're having message based interactions with the other members of the circle, working out who's who, who's voting in and who's voting out, things like wow. that and trying to work out who's real and who's fake. It's it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. There's a character on there that kind of looks like a bohemian more jovial reese kirby and it kills me to no end (laughs) oh god i might actually have to check this one out like uh, on paper normally i wouldn't try it but there's something really i guess actually pretty honest about it that i'd want to see how it turns out so yeah there's there's like 12 episodes or so it was really good watch like we binged it like they dropped dropped four episodes then a week after four week after four but it's easy watching and and it's it's kind of cool to sort of see and and think how you'd work in that situation and what have you. Mm. Yeah, but uh, really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that. And finally got around to playing some uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Yeah. The uh, the remake uh, that was developed by Infinity Ward and obviously published by Activision. It's such a pretty game. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you, um, you've sort of witnessed it and I don't know if you've dabbled in the no, new one. No, not yet. <laughs> but... Uh, the, the graphics is phenomenal for one. Uh, the multiplayer is where I've been sort of trying to cut my teeth again because back in the day, 
you know, avoiding tooting one's horn too much. I was pretty good at multiplayer online uh, with Call of Duty Modern Warfare 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. But my uh, reaction times have gone down the toilet very quick, <laughs> it feels like, uh, after that initial sort of foray back on the Xbox 360. But it's it's really great. Graphically, really cool. I like what they've done as far as the, the weapon leveling system and sort of the, the gunsmith areas where you can customize various attachments and really make your character your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just need to get good again. Uh, my KD <laughs> ratio is nowhere near what it used to be. Isn't it depressing? It really is. It really is. Like It's just age and muscle memory don't really work coherently together is what I've realized mm-hmm. and found. But... I'm still enjoying it. Um, I'm cuss. I'm trying to cuss and get angry a lot less because games like this, oh, yeah. online shooters and stuff, make my blood boil something fierce. It's, so I'm trying to get more zen when playing these games. Literally, like two like two different people experiencing you. Like like day to day, you know, happy go lucky. Brendan's all great, but you playing fucking shooters is another level. Like I never witnessed. A combination of frustration, anger, and just pure profanity. And it's wild. Like, I remember when there was that stage where we were all really into Overwatch. And I couldn't stop cracking up laughing hearing you (laughs) over voice chat just abusing everyone. It was the best. Yeah, I can uh, I could get pretty pretty rowdy. Uh, that's for sure. So I'm trying to, you know, I'm avoiding the whole New Year New Me cliche and all that stuff. <laughs> but I'm just trying to actively remain calmer when playing these games to see if maybe it will help me play a little bit better, but also stop me from breaking a controller oh, or a keyboard. I have played. I got tapped in for a bathroom break, so I actually have oh, played nice. it a bit. Um, I played Shipment. Nice. And that level oh, and they've chucked you into the most crazy level in the whole game. Like, it was chaos. Spawn, you kill someone, you're dead. Spawn, you might die or you might kill one or two. Spawn, duh, duh, duh. like it's bananas that it, level. It's absolutely crazy, but I figured out if you just keep running and throwing your um Your grenades. Throw, no, your knife. Like um one of the characters. Oh, yeah, had a he's knife. got the throwing knife yeah, set just up, yep. Go for it and just keep running and then you die and then start running again. So uh, but yeah, that one's chaos. I could understand it's getting bonkers. frustrated on that one bonkers it's it's either you go from a level like that or you go to these big massive open plane areas where there's just snipers in every building because uh, i play like smg style so i'm like running and gunning mm. and just getting popped by camping sons of bitches all the time people still do that so much oh yeah oh yeah wow yeah it's been it's been a long time like the only fondest memories that i have is playing like gun game in i think black ops 2 it's the Gun last game's time. Sick. Oh, it was so much fun. I remember really genuinely enjoying that. But like my Call of Duty experience is like Call of Duty 2, Call of Duty 3, mm-hmm. um, yep. way back when. And that was enjoyable. But I just, this new like mechanic, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if it's, if it's for me. Like I'm so used to Destiny now and like mm-hmm. I guess more, well, I guess you, that's run and shoot too. I don't know. Maybe I should really give it an honest try. Yeah. I, I like, I guess the cool thing with Destiny, it's a bit floatier. I, floatier combat yeah which is which is nice uh been playing a little bit of destiny here and there Don't, didn't really want to touch on it too much but just that light grind holy jesus friggin christ it's yeah it's pretty bad did you hear about what happened uh is it like this is it still classified as this week that big puzzle yeah and then it just turned out that they just gave everyone the quest afterwards. <laughs> yeah yeah there was a lot of uh deflated guardians out there oh uh, that, boy was it sort of 
that went down the the destiny rabbit hole to try and <laughs> decipher this puzzle yeah. and then at the end of it they just got a you know a, a start of a quest line for a crappy fusion rifle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so poor glad who's a twitch yeah. streamer he was pretty dedicated to the cause yeah but uh, I think I'm at nine twelve now as far as my score. I so I don't remember where I'm at. But it's it's near impossible. Like mm. doing strikes and nightfalls. Obviously, the raids is where you you need to start playing to get your gear bump up. I think from yeah. what I can gather because strikes and nightfalls. I might get one piece of gear that might be one point higher, like a nine thirteen something or rather, mm. and it does nothing. It's such a grind at the, the back end of this game. Yeah, like just following through and grabbing, like either doing the daily or, do you know, the weeklies to get the power-leveled um, engrams um, and then hopefully finding someone that could either hook you up with a raid or um, just doing a, like, uh, like a 100K um, nightfall. But, um, yeah. I mean, that's pretty difficult unless you've got a pro. Yeah, yeah, I can't get to that 100k. Mm. I don't even know how. I don't even know how to bump a multiplier onto the damn thing. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I, that's been a while. But, like, with mm. those ones where you actually, like, get over a certain amount, you can actually get your own, like, um, like you get the banner, you get the custom banner, and then you also um, sometimes have, like, um, like something kind of over your head. Um, I, the only reason I've gotten two of those is because someone, like, if there was a, like, physically shown, someone literally dragged me by the freaking collar through there and he just took <laughs> care of everything. Come so, on, come yeah. on. Fuck a jumping puzzle. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. But that's it's still good fun. I, yeah. I enjoy oh, yeah. me some Destiny. It's just good mindless shooty. Yeah. And it's so fair. pretty. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people kind of take still take that for granted with that game. So I look forward to whatever the next installment is. Hmm. One last thing, I'm really going to miss uh, being able to bake uh, space-based bakery treats for all the characters oh. <laughs> now that the uh, that event is over. Can't make any more cookies and cakes. Oh, that's great for the Christmas. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. It's stupid, but it's fun. You know what else is great? Mm. This tasty five-star review coming to us via iTunes listener JakeL-NV5. And the review headline reads, Hungry for more. Well, Jake L, fear not because we are back. It's 2020. It's episode number two for the year. But the review reads, The Hungry Gamers have been a regular listen for several years now, and it's great to see Ali, Brendan, and Salim, RIP, bring the same level of energy and excitement to each episode as they edge closer to 200. Thanks for a great year and an even greater podcast. Much love. Aw, that's lovely, Jake. Yeah, Jake. You're good. You're a good person. Thank you for taking the time to uh, drop that review on on the iTunes or the Apple Podcasts these days. Uh, those reviews truly mean a lot to us, and as we always say, it helps keep those emotional lights on in our hearts. So, uh, if you can take the time, listeners, to jump onto iTunes or Apple or Spotify just to uh, give us a, a rating or a review of subscription, it means the world. And while you're done uh, reviewing the Hungry Gamers, be sure to review every other podcast in the hashtag 8 Collective or just the podcast you're listening to in general because those little things mean an awful lot to all of us. But uh, a little quick bit of housekeeping. Obviously, 8bitnation.net or 8bit.net is your central hub. 8bitnation.net has direct links to our Discord, to our Facebook, to our web store, to our competitions, to our Patreon, and just about everything specifically related to 8bit as a whole. So, 8bitnation.net 
And uh, as I said last week, keep that calendar locked to February 10th, 2020 for the next phase in the 8-bit evolution. We've got some pretty cool news and some new content, maybe some new content creators making their way to the stable as well. So February 10th, keep it locked and loaded. But let's get into some news. This week's news headlines. All right. First and foremost, got some little bite-sized bangers here to throw your way. The first one. With Half-Life Alex mere weeks away, Valve is giving the entire Half-Life series away for free on Steam up until launch of Half-Life Alex. Mm. How goddamn good's that? That's pretty damn good. A lot of people were speculating that um, this game was actually going to be delayed again. There was a lot of speculation. Yeah. And hey, fair enough. There's pretty good reason just to assume. But the fact that they've kind of said that this game, like like Half-Life series, is actually going to be available for like two months, it's kind of like, yeah, they seem pretty damn sure it's going to come out. So, Have you played, are you much of a no. Half-Life fan? You haven't played haven't either played of the games? I haven't played a single one. Ah, <laughs> uh, you, you, need, you need to find some time to at least dip a toe into Half-Life because it was one of those genre-defining games mm. and... Um, you sort of Gordon Freeman, the the silent protagonist that you play, is a staple for shooters, I guess, as we know it now. But it's going to cost you nothing. Give it a go. Well, yeah, see what I guess you think. I guess that's um a good opportunity to you know give it a try. But based on how it appears on the Steam store, I guess it's just like it'll only be available to play. Like you don't actually physically own it. It's just going to be like... Oh, it's like a timed exclusive yeah, type of situation. Yeah, So it's like I've got to like force myself within two months to play it. Yeah. So um, yeah. I might just... I don't know. It's, it sounds weird, but I always associate this game with my best friend's dad who would always play it. So I think just that dad vibe just always <laughs> like lingered with me. So I'm just like, that's yeah. a dad game. You don't want to be tarred with that same brush. Yeah. Go play like, was it Flight Simulation? Yeah, there's no boobies in Half-Life. I'm not interested. Oh, now I know that. I'm definitely not playing yeah. it. But a lot of people have been interested because, uh, yeah, according to Steam charts, the original game just hit its all-time peak as far Ooh. as concurrent players. So there has been a lot of uptake and adoption of, of Half-Life, even though it has been many years since it came out way back when. But the orange box, which, which has the Half-Life games in it, as well as... Uh, Team Fortress and things like that is still one of the most underrated gaming pickups of of today. So uh, mm. yeah, nice nice work, Valve. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to to see Alex when it drops. I'm trying to work out if I need to buy a Vive to get the full experience, or if I go down this rabbit hole of sort of slaving my computer to my uh, my Oculus Quest to be able to turn it into a pseudo high-end um, vr machine to play it so i'm gonna gonna look into that a little bit more because i want to play this at launch and, and see what it's all about because it's a full experience they're saying mm. this is like a 20 plus hour game uh set between half-life one and two so uh yeah i'm oh. keen as a bean so, so uh it's- if what would, so if you haven't played either game it won't be like it'll still make sense and it won't spoil the other two will it yeah, I, I think probably the game there'll be some that's been nods. Out for years and yeah. years and years. Yeah. I, I think there'll be some nods to things that that events that people have experienced in the games. We go, oh yeah, I get that, or I don't get that, or mm. I remember, but I don't think you'll be walking through uh, Alex scratching your head, completely unaware of the universe. They'll do some table setting in in that opening sort of scene mm. and and go up from there. But yeah, can't wait. 
Can't Ooh. wait. Something else that uh, might be getting the world excited is Untitled Goose Game could become its very own Lego set. Uh, you can vote for it via the official Lego Ideas website, where at time of recording, it has over 5,000 votes. Apparently, once you get above 10,000 votes on the Lego Ideas website, it then goes under official advisement to the the Lego head honchos and they mm-hmm. determine if they want to turn this into a little set. Yeah. But what do you think about this adorable little uh, goose Lego set uh, mm-hmm. from those legends at House House? Yeah, well, like um, we were just talking about it briefly just before we started recording and you did mention that someone went, you know, out of their way to actually physically create the set just to set the example. Um, which is just impressive to me. Um, I'm honestly surprised we're still sitting at only 5,000 votes. I kind of just assumed based on the game's popularity, like knowing that they could get like a Lego set, you know, like people would be voting for that instantly. But I guess the, you know, everyone hits that brick wall. We have to sign up to the website. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like because they've because they've eclipsed the uh, the 5,000 supporter level, uh, they get another half a year of uh, voting time added to their sort of run cycle. So there's 771 days currently left uh, mm. for them to get another 4,709 votes to get to that 10,000 supporters and see if they uh, get approved by the experts. Oh, so. well, they got 5,000 this quickly, so the rest should be easy, right? Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm just looking and there's other people building random ones too. I've found like some other rando goose game Legos that people oh. have made like a rake in the lake and stuff like that. So it looks like there's a there's a bit of a hunger here for some um, some untitled goose game Lego. Mm. It's, it's it's the game that just keeps blowing up. It's yeah. just getting bigger and bigger and it's it's insane how big this game's gotten. But, you know, you can't fault them. Everyone, I guess, wanted to, to live out their best worst fantasies as a bastard goose so uh yeah strike yeah. while the iron's hot yeah it's just a perfectly accessible game though really like anyone could pick up and play it and figure it out and play it their own way so makes sense yeah 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 the, the barrier to entry is is pretty much non-existent with that game which which mm. makes it accessible for all ages so uh the next bit of news netflix has confirmed it has an anime style witcher movie in the works Hmm. Uh, i am keen obviously huge success with the the witcher netflix series it's it's one of their their biggest streamed uh shows to date Uh, so there is some hunger for a bit more Geralt. Uh, so this anime film will be titled the witcher nightmare of the wolf and we'll see a currently undisclosed new threat facing the continent uh, Netflix says it's a Witcher movie which will be handled by Studio Mia, the animation house behind Legend of Korra, and that Lauren S. Hittrich and Bo de DeMeo, respectively showrunner and writer of the live action series, will also be involved. So mm. we'll get some continuity there with the writing and the themes and the tone, uh, but just in that uh, anime art style. I wonder if they're going to stylize it to, to Henry Cavill as Geralt or if they'll sort of get a little bit creative yeah. and do just a generic uh, Geralt look. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of like looked into the studio's work just to see what kind of style they usually play with. And it does have that very unique like Avatar Last Airbender kind of look to it, which I'm not a big fan of. But um, they also did a seri- um, a season of Boondock Saints. Uh, boondocks. Boondocks. <laughs> not the, the Boondocks. Yeah, sorry. I'd, l- I'd watch the hell out of an animated would- Boondock Saints. Oh, wouldn't we all? We need another one. Um, but- just give me some crazy Willem Dafoe. <laughs> 
I watched an interview with him talking about that role. It was pretty cool. Um, but in regards to this anime, uh, Witcher movie, I would expect just a really like dark, gritty, especially anime style. Like I know it's very like stereotypical to kind of link them up, but like Blood the Lust Vampire. I don't know if you remember Ooh, yeah. that Good anime. Call. Yeah. So you know, like something a bit oh Helsing, like you know, like linking that kind of darkness to yeah. it. So Yeah, I, but, I was feeling some Helsing um, Vampire Hunter D type of vibes, yeah. I think would lend itself to it perfectly. You just replace D from Vampire Hunter D with Geralt and you've mm-hmm. got yourself a Witcher uh, animated film. So uh, Nightmare of the Wolf, uh, nothing is really known as far as a release schedule. There is talks that it's probably going to come out prior to season two of uh, oh. The Witcher when it comes out on Netflix, which is kind of cool. So we might not have to wait too long. But uh, it's yeah, it's just going from strength to strength, the old Witcher. Yeah, I just hope they don't um, get too keen on themselves and just start really oversaturating the whole Witcher thing. Like, oh shit, people like it. Let's strike while the iron's hot, and then just mm. you get inundated with like Witcher, and then then you hate it, which is like the worst yeah. kind of experience. I, I think if anything, it might pivot more towards uh, we'll see more video game adaptations get taken seriously. Like, obviously. From our childhood through to now, we've had a lot of games converted to film, but either on a cheap budget or mm. they've completely changed the meta of that of that game in itself and turned it into something very, very bad. Uh, we've all we've all seen yeah, Super Mario Brothers, uh, even things like Doom was was pretty rough to watch. Yeah, well. uh, Double Dragon, all the all the fighting spin-offs. Mortal Kombat for all its faults is great, but in a bad way. How do you receive the Resident Evil movies? Like you um, in particular as a fan. The the first one was okay, but from there it just went downhill really fast. Didn't and like they Nemesis. Hated Nemesis, hated Nemesis. But I think my biggest gripe with those films is they doubled down and just went action as opposed to horror. Like they should have just actually very true, yeah. Which is what really got me. Like I I had no issues with them creating this this Alice character that had superpowers by the end of it and whatever else that was new to the universe. But like when they're weaving in random enemies from the various video game life cycles that have no reason to be there, uh, that aren't done at all in the vein of that character originally just really got me. So Mm -hmm. the animated films though, there's like Resident Evil Degeneration and another one. Uh, They're really good and they're true to the source material. They're, They're worth checking out. But the live action films with, with Mila Jovovich and co- yeah not good like they've made a lot of money obviously uh and, and spawned what seven or eight of them i think in the end there's there a, a lot i've actually lost count and kind of forget which one was like the last one released but i don't think i'll touch that again i was yeah. i actually recently watched the silent hill movie the first which one which is good it's not bad i always yeah. remember that one being sold to me as being really bad and the fans hate it and i'm um, you know what it's not too bad like it's not a fucking masterpiece but it's not no. bad very true to the tr- true to original source material and, and i just remember that scene like spoilers for anyone that hasn't watched it go watch it uh anyone that doesn't want to hear about it maybe skip forward 15 seconds but where pyramid head just strips the skin off that woman mm. and just throws it at the church yeah like that was like next level yeah <laughs> you just watch it you go oh shit yeah 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 but uh yeah i thought it was really good i thought it was really good it was well done it's it's yeah it's not one of the worst it's but it's one of the better video game films out there and see that's saying something i think where that's, that's one of the, the best that we've got <laughs> yeah well like 
I also hope with The Witcher being made into a movie, into a series kind of thing, people don't get too eager and then they just do rush jobs. They're like, oh, The Witcher did well. Let's, you know, let's, oh God, let's do Skyrim. Like, you know, like Uh, heaven forbid they actually touch that because I will cry. But you know what? Like an Elder Scrolls television series, I could see that working. Like, like, well, they're, they're doing The Lord of the Rings at the moment. I'd watch the shit out of a StarCraft series. Yeah, that'd be cool. Mm. That'd be really cool. I was thinking like something spacey, like StarCraft. Obviously, Mass Effect is where I immediately go towards. Oh, true. Mm. But and anything in that space realm, I'd I'd even watch like a WoW series. I'd watch an, a CGI. Well, the movie went well, didn't World it? World of War. Oh, the movie was woeful. <laughs> but all the trailers they do, like if they just made a big animated film or, or just an animated ongoing series, I'd watch the hell out of that. Well, people were expecting it for Overwatch, that everyone enjoys the story and, you know, the design and the animation. Everyone was like, well, make the Wizard freaking series. Apex Legends is also in that kind of boat where they've got these interesting characters with interesting stories with great design, like, you know, but, you know, like everything, they'll probably just, you know, just shit on it. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, loose loose thread, not part of the the news headlines, but... uh, yeah, there's been a new hero announced for Apex Legend mm. called Forge, and he's a hyper-fighting Federation champion. <laughs> he looks sort of like he's jacked. He's a huge mountain of a man, like robot arm, uh, and they're saying he's going to be very close quarters, very sort of merely focused. So that can yeah. be a cool cool dynamic. There's clearly a nod to like 80s wrestling there. Like even in his uh, costume design, there looks like there's like a like a championship belt kind of like look to him. So um, yeah, should, it's interesting gameplay so it should be good to see how um you know people that are already like knee deep into apex see how they work with him oh yeah oh yeah i it's it's a game i'd like to go back and play a bit more of. i really enjoyed my time but i've fallen off that wagon haven't played in oh, maybe six months i'd yeah. say i think i finally got my like win and i was like that's enough <laughs> yeah. retire on a high yeah exactly all right another high you could potentially uh obtain here you a secret Fortnite fan that i've never known about uh, you can have the ability to be immortalized in the game via yet another new emote dance competition mm. and this time it is in conjunction with tiktok you've mm. just simply got to record yourself doing your unique or fantastic dance moves and you're in the running mm. uh, are you going to be uh dusting off the dancing shoes and uh, cutting a bit of rug i don't even <laughs> I don't even own TikTok. Like I, I'm on this like level where I'm like I can't install TikTok. I'm too old for that shit. I've I've taken it one step further. I've installed it, but I haven't opened it or set up an account. It's just yeah. there, and I'm probably going to uninstall it because I'm I'm too scared to get on there and then have to do these videos and what have you. You know what though? I don't need to install it or get an account. Like when you go into your um Instagram recommendations, every now and then I get recommended a TikTok. Like it like it's clearly oh, really? a, Yeah, it's clearly like a TikTok video kind of thing. And I like I know that the recommendations is usually based on what you've been looking at, which I think um I follow Christina from Your Mom's House podcast. Mm-hmm. She's obsessed with them, so I think that that's where the link happened. Or it could be just um, you know, because I'm sure that they're linked. Instagram and TikTok are linked probably some way, so it's probably just them promoting it and getting me to freaking install it. So, oh, I'm too old. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is tough sledding, but yeah, jump on there, jump on your TikTok hashtag emote royale contest. The prize you win isn't very much. What is it? 
you win twenty five thousand V bucks. Oh, and a fortnight and a fortnight prize pack worth with over four hundred dollars in Fortnite toys and swag. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. But if you want in on it, yeah, post your video on TikTok hashtag emote royal contest, and away you go. Make sure it's your actual own dance moves. Don't make don't make it something that you've seen and you just want to replicate it because I remember last time they did have an issue with that. So yes, yes, indeed. Mm. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into a bit of a deeper dive here. Uh, there is a bit of text, so I do apologize in advance. But this article comes by way of Brendan Sinclair at GamesIndustry.biz, and the question is: What next gen features are important to users? Sony and Microsoft have started talking about their next generation hardware, and while some features are already known, backwards compatibility, 8K resolution support, solid state drives for shorter load times, both companies have plenty of details left to reveal. Those features may make nice for marketing bullet points, but what do gamers think is more important? GamesIndustry.biz contributed a series of questions to ISFE and Ipsos Mori's GameTrack consumer survey regarding the public perception of features for the next generation of consoles. This was given to a representative sample of 8,000 gamers aged 11 to 64. Very nice wide net there of age gap across the UK, Germany, Spain, France, and Italy. On to the results. Better graphics are widely agreed to be important, with 68% of all surveyed gamers considering it so. Among console gamers only, this figure moves up to 78%. The only other feature to get anywhere close to that level of consensus was shorter load times while playing digital games. 63% of all surveyed users considered this an important factor, and 71% of console gamers did also. Despite the emphasis on visual, 8K resolution graphics weren't considered as important as many other features. 40% of all surveyed gamers considered 8K support important for next-gen, and consoles ticked up to 49%. Motion controls were important to 49% of surveyed gamers and 57% of console gamers. Uh, backwards compatibility was important to 48% of gamers and 59% of the console crowd. Playing physical games was important to 47% of all surveyed gamers and 58% of console gamers. A step behind those three features and more in the neighborhood of 8K resolutions responses were the ability to stream games and non-gaming apps. Streaming games was important to 44% of all surveyed gamers and 51% of those being console gaming respondents, while non-gaming apps were seen as important by 41% and 52% of those groups respectively. As for gamers' lowest priority features, virtual reality compatibility and handheld mode were most commonly deemed less important. VR was important to 37% of all gamers, with handheld mode slightly higher at 38%. When looking specifically at the console gamer crowd, VR was important to 43%, while handheld mode ticked up to 45%. There's a lot more data and information in there, but we don't want to get any more in the weeds than what we currently are. But what do you think about these responses? Do you think it's pretty well in line with what you feel about and what you're looking forward towards and focusing on for next gen? Or do you think there's some eyebrow raising uh, figures here? Um, I and The top two being obviously better graphics and um, shorter load times. I think... I think that's pretty standard across the board is everyone, you know, wants the best looking game and they also want to make sure that like when they load up the game it's there it's ready to go like um so that perfectly makes sense um all the other ones 
is fine. I'm a bit shocked about the backwards compatibility only being like roughly half, like yeah. half a percentage, like important to some, but like, cause I don't currently, or apart from the Nintendo switch, but I currently don't own an Xbox and PlayStation. So when I did, especially with my Xbox, I really wanted that backwards compatibility because I think when you start to cross out like the importance of backward compatibility, that will start to eliminate the need for um, like pre-owned games and then just strictly focusing on strict digital copies. And mm-hmm. I know for like certain like countries, especially like a lot of people in America, they just pitch straight away like, I don't need physical copies, let's do digital but in countries like Australia, where um, the internet is shite, you need, Can confirm. you need physical copies because sometimes that will be the make or break if you're going to be playing a game on launch or, you know, the same day that you bought the game. So backwards compatibility, I think, is a small link to making sure physical copies are still relevant. Yeah. I, and I'm I'm with you. Like, backwards compatibility, you can sort of see... I guess trying to take my my Xbox fanboy hat off, that is something that they've doubled down on a lot on Mm. this current gen with backwards compatibility uh, being one of the things at the forefront that they're hammering home and and this big shared ecosystem. And that's what's going to happen with the Series X when it comes out where a game's going to release and this copy of the game, this disc or digital, obviously it's going to have to be disc now, think about it because I think if you buy it digitally, I don't know if it's going to transfer across across the the various iterations of the xbox if it's going to go from your one x to your series x Mm. uh, obviously disc will will work fine but i don't know how they're going to handle that digitally but uh sort of in a roundabout kind of way they are still focusing and caring on having this backwards thinking forwards thinking ecosystem where a game that you might have played that you love five years ago is still going to work in 10 years time on on your newer hardware so Mm. yeah I, i think that number you know, forty-eight percent or fifty-nine percent for console crowd. Like it's 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 a good number, I think. I think it probably would have been a little bit higher because a lot of people preach on that backwards compat. Uh, mm. the, the better graphics and then the the eight K thing. I think they're kind of one in the same, and the fact they split it's a bit interesting because yeah. obviously the higher the resolution of a game, the better graphical fidelity you're going to be able to obtain anyway because you're going to be able to fit in more artifacts, you're going to fit in more pixels <laughs> per inch. Uh, when you are jumping to 8K resolution as opposed to 4K and mm. 1080p and, and, you know, scaling down from there. So I think it's kind of one and the same where obviously 78% for console, 68% for gamers in general think better graphics is is the tentpole here, but then you're sort of knocking 20, 30 points off uh, when you when you double down on 8K. Mm. And I get that because the monitor is is where the potential question mark lies with these higher resolutions well, TV, like you, which yeah like this is your Sony computer and screen Microsoft. your telly yeah like 4k tellies are the norm now but mm. yeah if this comes out as 8k it's like it's all well and good you will see noticeable improvement but you're not going to get the complete 8k resolution experience on your on your television or your gaming monitor at home so i get that I get yeah that. i mean and i just want to also highlight that this specific like thing was done between like the survey was uk germany spain france and italy i'm not sure what the like the economic like climate is for like especially like spain and france and italy like maybe it would be stupid to assume that like you know 4k technology is in a good majority of tvs there or everyone has the latest tv kind of thing so i mean 
maybe maybe the focus on the importance of like 4k 8k hasn't really been brought across to users and i mean i don't mean to say this in the way it's going to sound consoles are definitely the most accessible item for just any kind of person any kind of player so i do think when it usually comes to specs like that you start venturing onto like serious gamers and like pc players like they understand the importance of that but when it comes Mm -hmm. to just very generic like console players maybe that's not that's not important i just i want a good looking game and i want it fast like i want it to be there when i need it 100 percent, 100 percent. and um sort of looking at the other end of this article where they're they're talking about the lowest priority features uh i found it surprising that things like uh handheld mode and virtual reality compatibility were deemed less important than uh non-gaming apps on your console or your PC. So I guess looking at that bleed through then to maybe streaming services, your yeah. Netflix and your your Amazons and things like that, or maybe it's sports and what have you, uh, that sort of jumps above VR, which I think it's, it's in a bit of a holding pattern right now. Like there's there's been some good uptake and a lot of people uh, adopting this technology earlier, but I think maybe with this next wave of, of consoles and hardware, we'll see more of a leap and focus into that virtual reality, that augmented reality. So I thought that number being around 37%, uh, I thought that was pretty low. Mm, uh, I don't know. Like with virtual reality, it's always like going to be, it. like, I don't know when it's not going to be as taboo. Like virtual reality, anyone that has experienced it, like speaking from my experience, it was great. I loved it. But based on all the items required to experience it, the cost that comes with it, and then just like its overall accessibility and then the motion sickness, which I experienced, it just made me just go, no, I do. Like if someone came up to me straight after doing like a demo and said, would you buy this? I'd be like, nah, like it's cool, but nah, Mm. like I don't, I don't need that immersion right now. But I guess the problem is, is that if people aren't picking it up or not finding an interest in it, they can't dignify a reason to put money into improving it if no one's buying it to begin with. And I guess it's hard to, like, it's not something you can go, even though they don't really exist anymore, you can't go hire a mm. VR headset to trial it out for a weekend or whatever to dip a toe. Although there's those stupid, um, I don't know if they exist in Australia yet, but in America in shopping malls, there's like VR kiosks where you can go uh, in yeah. and experience the VR experience and that just seems unsanitary to me but the, the closest there's a few of those but they're part of like an arcade or a shop front they're not oh, the standalone yeah. options but yeah there is a few where you can go in and have a virtual reality experience occasionally they've got one like just this freestanding pop-up one that happens out the front of the big w near me all the time it's a bit <laughs> weird but um yeah the as you said the sanitary side of that would be appalling because yeah. uh I know playing some VR and especially in a public space where the ventilation is not that great, you can sweat up a storm in a VR headset with headphones on and cords and shit draped off you everywhere. So Mm -hmm. yeah, just be careful because there's a chance you could get like conjunctivitis or pink eye or Christ knows what, like Mm. it's not a good time, but I love it. it. I love it. But at the same time, my Oculus Quests have not touched that in probably four months either. So, uh, mm. you know, I'm, I'm an advocate, but I'm probably not the best advocate for VR <laughs> right now because it's sitting there, probably flat batteries and uh, feeling very neglected. 
Yeah. I think the only time that we'll start really seeing if VR can actually become something, if literally VR is like a pair of like glasses or something with no cables, like literally like something in the same vein as like a controller where you can put it there with all the other controllers. And when you want to experience VR, you just pick it up and put it on your eyes and you're ready yeah, to go. Yeah. So Quest is getting there and I've played with like Google glasses and stuff, which is just minority report next level wank but that technology is not strong enough yet but it's still it was still fun mm. i felt like i was ethan hunt um in in mission impossible if we uh go full circle from last week but yeah that's that's been the news but i thought we could um we could sort of chuck a segment in here where we are going to be throwing our hot takes of what we feel will occur in this calendar gaming year so we're, we're talking about the, the 2020 video game landscape what mm. we see happening and we're gonna we're gonna give three hot takes a varying spiciness <laughs> the, the first and the the low end uh, is what we sh- what we call should we turn the air conditioner on so this is something where you know you can feel it in the air it's getting a little bit warm you sort of you know maybe a bit clammy yeah yeah a bit bit clammy swaggering the t-shirt around your neck there trying to get a little bit of ventilation mm-hmm. debating if the fan's enough or maybe we put the air conditioner on so uh did you want to lead us off with your lukewarm clammy should we turn the air conditioner on hot take for 2020 uh yeah so my uh clammy kind of like hot take is um remastered games are gonna be a major thing this year um, I believe with the um, consoles being released, um, we're going to just see a like surge in like especially some classic games just being like like remastered and um, you know brought up graphically so people can experience them again. You know, pull on the nostalgia. Probably like I believe a new um, they're going to be remastering um, a Star Wars game. I can't remember for the life of me which one it was. And I just feel like, especially with PlayStation, you know, kind of gloating about um, having um, AMD, uh, which they're saying, you know, can do like ray tracing and that sort of stuff. So if if, it, if you're going to like gloat about these com- capabilities and I mean, ray tracing, you've seen it on Minecraft and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to start gloating about this sort of stuff, I kind of feel like that maybe we'll start seeing a lot of remastered games come through. I like that. I like that. My consensus on that i agree uh, i actually wrote some notes regarding a big massive renaissance of more remasters coming and my lukewarm take is probably nothing that surprises nobody that's listened to at least a couple of episodes of the hungry gamers and my lukewarm should we turn the air conditioner on hot take is we will get a dino crisis remake announced this year and it's going to debut on those next-gen consoles which you were talking about with their custom sort of AMD Zen 2 uh, chipsets. So I'm going to put my dino nuts on the table and say Jeez. we get a Dino Crisis remake. Obviously, <laughs> Resident Evil 2 remake came out to much success. Resident Evil 3 remake comes out in about six weeks' time, which I think will do also well. This is the title from the Capcom stable. Uh, mm. they've, just, they've just re-registered uh the ip uh as far as the naming rights and things that they've gone through and purchased those again so i think a dino crisis remake is on the way Mm. and it will be out on next gen platforms around that you know february to april release cycle just like these two uh resident evil games uh in 2021 so yeah should we turn the air conditioner on because there's dino crisis on the way damn straight we should because i'm getting very hot under the collar (laughs) 
very hot under the collar. Okay, so if we we jump to our mid tier, and uh, th- this uh, hot take tier is known as my ice cream is melting because it's getting pretty hot. What is your ice cream melting hot take for 2020? I feel bad, as especially kind of like how rounded and vague my hot takes are. But um, this one is um, we're going to be seeing a lot more publisher direct videos. In in saying that, it's like we're seeing a lot of things where um, people are enjoying the experience of like watching, you know, what their next console, like what they're releasing and just sitting at home and just watching the videos. I mean, Nintendo's led the way on that. And then we saw like Xbox and PlayStation kind of follow suit. Um, I feel like publishers are now going to actually take a step forward and you know you know make themselves you know stand out a bit better because sometimes with those directs and with e3 it's information overload so i feel like publishers themselves because it's relatively easy to do they're going to do their own kind of directs and i'm saying this especially off the basis that um hellblade 2 the publishers actually did one themselves um, and they, you know, they get to go into detail. They get to talk, they, they get more time and information and what's good for us as consumer, we can just dedicate our time onto that game and we can find out everything that we want in that game as opposed to like, you know, kind of a short snippet amongst other games. So, um, yeah, my hot take is, is that publishers are going to be out there doing directs themselves. Mm. I, I like that. I like that. Um, I'm in complete agreement with that and and I like that you brought up what Ninja Theory did this past week uh, with their little sort of seven or so minute uh, standalone mini presser where they could just focus on Hellblade 2 and announcing Project Mara, Mm. which looks insane. Like I wanted to put some of this in the news, but I wanted to also deeper dive and and watch this a few times through beforehand. So maybe we can come back and and unpack this a little bit more next week because it's sure. really, really cool what Ninja Theory are doing mm. as far as focusing on mental health and personal struggles and really doubling down on that space and trying to to make it something that people can mm. talk about and feel more comfortable in and, and in a roundabout kind of way help people deal with these battles and, and struggles that they, they sort of go through on the daily. But mm. yeah, I like that. Um, well, you can see it as evidence this year again, like E3, playstation have pulled out again mm-hmm. uh they'll be doing obviously a, a psx probably in that october period that they like to do there there is i guess less and less value to developers and or publishers to to be at e3 where they can control that message and compress that message to exactly what they want to see with their own standalone event whether it be in a physical location whether it be streamed mm. uh, so I'm, I'm with you i like that hot take because that's the way that the market's starting to go. And I think maybe in maybe if we fast forward three years down the line, E3's might maybe just gonna become almost like a, a another sort of packs in a way where it's just gonna be more focused on general public, where we're just gonna have booths with exhibitors and less about that media and closed off experience because you can get that online anytime uh, mm. at a lot cheaper of a price. So I like that and I can certainly feel your ice cream is melting with that take. So, so my mid tier one, my mid tier one is um a bit big. So uh, Xbox will use this year's E3 as a major chance to flex, touting the Series X in a big way, which I think is a given. But mm. they'll also unveil ten new exclusive titles and or IPs at E3 because obviously their 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 main rival the big dog in the current gen space, Sony with the PlayStation 4, 
they're not going to have representation at E3 to, to tout the PlayStation 5. So I think Phil Spencer and Cole really, really going to double down now that the hardware has been unveiled. You're getting a bit of an idea of the roadmap and really just come out and go, boom, boom, boom. Here's all our new exclusive IPs. Get hyped. Boom, boom, boom. And um, I feel also doubling on as still a mid-tier, Xbox will be the early leaders in the next generation console war over this upcoming holiday period. So both consoles will be out in holiday 2020, but I think uh, on the back of things we've talked about, like um, backwards compatibility and the fact that it is a a stronger and more powerful console Mm. based off the tech data that's sort of circulating at the moment, I think Xbox and Microsoft are saying all the right things and they're going to be the early winners uh, as we pivot our way into 2021. So that's Mm. my ice cream is melting hot take yeah it's very, it's very interesting like especially knowing that playstation sony is not going to be at e3 but i'm really interested to see like just obviously the implications of playstation saying we're out again but also after that data breach of everyone's details going out like e3 is going down the shitter like it is not in a positive light right now. So I wonder, like, especially with Microsoft, do they just go in and say, sweet, we're going to run the show. This is going to be ours now. Or like, are they going to start saying like, I mean, are people still like, are people honestly still interested in E3 or like, are we going to put like all our balls, like, you know, into E3 or are we just going to be like, you know what? Here's still just a bit. Let's, focus on our own thing since playstation is going to focus on their own thing like yeah. i don't know like it's going to be interesting to see like how e3 works like for the next like i guess the next few years we'll see i think this one will be very telling yeah you, you can already see like you see a lot of the gaming media or on social media that we follow a lot of them are hesitant to go skeptical to go throwing shade where they can regarding data breaches mm. and what have you so i think yeah. We're going to see that split where it goes from E3 was media only to now they've allowed general public in to almost a, a pendulum swing where it's going to be yeah general public customer facing with a little pocket of media over the coming years as, as sort of a, a still a, a driver, but probably not the primary driver. Yeah, I mean, E3 has changed quite drastically from what its original purpose was to what it is essentially now, which is just a massive showroom for, yeah, yeah. just consumers. Yeah. So... Well, I guess when they can sell tickets, why wouldn't you? Like, obviously, media get in for free, but uh, the the gen pop, they got to pay for them tickets. So, Mm. yeah, make money, money. Sell the data, breach the data, make the money. (laughs) It's like E3 Scarface sort of mentalities right there. First, we get the tickets, then we get the data, and then we... Then we sell the the data. data. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. All right, so our highest tier in the hot takes is... It's so hot, your pants are coming off. What is your hot take that's getting them pants off for 2020? This is less about me trying to win points on getting something right than it's just more I want it to happen, which is um, the Gamers Union gets created and that game devs and people in the industry start getting protected from Game Crunch because it's too normal now, it's too okay now. Like I, I know there's a there's talk about it. There's you know, um, we we hear about pushbacks and then you know they they push do pushbacks and like consumers are good. Like they say like oh yeah, take all the time you need. Like you know, don't rush it. But then you know there was that article on like I think both Polygon and Kotaku that said 
like especially I think with cyberpunk just because it's pushed back doesn't mean that there's not going to be crunch time like those people are still going to be working overtime up until release then nothing is being alleviated from them like they're still going to be working just as hard and crunching down so I hope my hot take I want to take my pants off and hope that the gamers union actually gets created and they start getting protected yeah i like that i like that very much so and it's it's needed it is long long been needed for uh for this gaming space because yeah the the rights and needs of people in this space seem to be constantly overlooked and neglected and disregarded for the sake of of getting this art out in time like you you see what's happened with cyberpunk like with doom eternal all that chatter with all that crunch no doubt the people at valve getting half-life alex out on time are probably feeling stuff like this Mm -hmm. as well as all the other things outside of crunch as far as harassment issues and Mm -hmm. and um you know sexism and racism and all that kind of stuff in the workplace it just seems to run rampant like frat houses with Mm -hmm. some of these devs and pubs out there so yeah it's needed and i just hope when it does eventually take shape uh, that it does actually have some teeth to it and it's not just now we're part of this union they never act on anything because i've seen a lot of government bodies in various industries uh, you know get together and it's this old boys club and they toast their successes but never really enforce yeah. uh, punishment down onto onto the offenders and, and the bad people in that space so i hope mm-hmm. that it's it's done the right way and it's not just a front for people that to big note themselves and yeah and what have you yeah. um yeah but i agree it's needed so so hopefully hopefully that does come to fruition in 2020 as far as a global gamers union yeah it'd be interesting with with country-based laws but i think it could work and it needs Mm. to work yeah all right so the take uh that is that hot my pants are coming off i was i'm in an iron here for a while because i thought my xbox one was probably could also fall its way into this scalding hot take my pants off because i'm sweating because the takes are so spicy but i thought i'd go back to a familiar well for me and talk about mass effect uh obviously bioware (laughs) is a studio that has been hurting gamers for a few years now with anthem with andromeda which uh you know fatefully was released in 2017 to much pain Mm -hmm. but i'm looking at it with a two-pronged attack and bioware have a bit of a return to form with the next dragon age which is great well received happy days but on the back of that we're also going to see a remake of the original mass effect trilogy comes out to much fair comes out on next gen really well received but this also lends itself then to i don't know if you want to call it mass effect 5 because andromeda was the fourth or if we go mass effect 4 and it's somehow some direct continuation on the back of mass effect 3 continuing that sort of shepherd arc and bringing in a lot of those familiar characters that we know and love Mm. and it becomes one of the defining games of next gen it's talked about in that same regard as mass effect 2 which landed on the you know the best of list for 2010 to 2019 so bioware comes back mass effect is relevant again space nerds rejoice pants (laughs) off everywhere takes hotter than hades mass effect is back we get a mass effect trilogy remaster and we also get a mass effect four or five depending on how you want to interpret andromeda for next gen and it is the business so that's my spice it knocking my pants off hot take 
No, like I can actually see that happening, like actually being something that could happen. Like it would make sense. Like I feel like <laughs> with having like, you know, as many like bad releases that you've had, you kind of have to cleanse the palate for everyone. You have to make them feel good again before you release something because after a while you burn people. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to touch it. So yeah. So yeah. maybe, maybe Dragon Age is that sorbet, you know, that's that little palate mm. cleanser. You sort of have mm. a, get a, a bit of new Dragon Age. Like, oh yeah, I'm liking this Bioware taste again. And then mm-hmm. boom, Mice Effect, boom, Mass Moss. Effect. And then everyone, <laughs> hot, my pants yeah. are flying off. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's, it's very plausible. It's, you know, I can see why that, why that could work and how that could work. So, you know, I think that's a good, good thing to take your pants off too. Hell Yeah. Hell yeah, I'm thinking about taking my pants off right now, just thinking about it. So uh, that is our scorching hot takes. But if you've got your own hot takes you want to throw our way, obviously hit us up on the socials at We Are 8-Bit or at us individually at Brendan 8-Bit and at Miss Ali Hart. Or if you want to drop us a DM or an email, hello at 8bit.net, throw us your 2020 hot takes and we will unpack those over the coming weeks to see where they fit in our very specialized, very scientific and ironclad uh, hot take scale. Should we turn the air conditioner on? My ice cream is melting and so hot, your pants are coming off. So yeah, hit us up. Let's get that chatter going. But uh, we'll sort of round out this episode by highlighting releases of the week. So these are games that are going to be coming out between January 26th and February 2nd. So it's going to be during our next uh, release cycle of The Hungry Gamers episode 180. We've got a good chunk of games coming out on January 28th. The Coma 2 Vicious Sisters on the PC. Journey to the Savage Planet comes out on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Uh, Kentucky Route Zero Act 5 is on the PC on the 28th of Jan. And Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition comes out on console, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the Switch on January 28th. Pillars of Eternity Deadfire comes out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Uh, Warcraft 3 Reforged. Uh, comes out on PC on January the 29th. Mm. Bookbound Brigade, PC, PS4, and Switch on January mm. 30th. This one looks cute, I just want to say. I've been Bookbound getting Brigade. some Yeah, it looks adorable. Okay. What's what's it about? What's it like? Um, It's like an adventure game, but they use people from, like, history. So, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay. That, that could be something on the radar to have a look at. Not for Broadcast comes out on PC on January the 30th. PUBG Season 6 releases on consoles on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on the 30th. It's already out on PC at time of recording. Sisters Royale on the PlayStation 4 and the Nintendo Switch on the 30th. Terraforming Earth on the PC January 30. Through the Darkest of Times January 30 on PC. Hero Land, PlayStation 4 and the Nintendo Switch on January 31. And Hockey Manager 2020 coming out on the PC on January 31 rounds out our release cycle for this coming week. Anything else on there you see of note outside of Book Book Brown Brigade? PUBG Season 6. People are still playing PUBG. It's bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. It's crazy, isn't it? It really is crazy. Like, it's still hanging on. It's it's a bit of a quiet achiever. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to give a look to Not For Broadcast uh, because I've just done a quick bit of Google and the synopsis of this game, take control of the national nightly news as a radical government comes to power in this immersive high-pressure propaganda sim, you control what the people see and determine what's not for broadcast. That sounds freaking 
freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm excited. They've got the prologue out at the moment, which is a free limited version. And obviously the game releases uh, this coming week as well. But it looks really cool because they're actually splicing in real video of people doing these interviews and uh, generating these quote-unquote stories and headlines. So I'm going to get amongst this uh, not-for-broadcast prologue uh, mm. this week and, and report back is there something yeah. on this list that you want to have yeah. a look at since i've actually you know or it's already piqued my interest earlier i might give a see if i can give bookbound brigade a go because it right. looked uh, quite cute all right let's uh let's let's report back on next episode to see how our time with not for broadcast and bookbound brigade goes this coming week but outside of that a lot of games there to uh sort of kill some time a lot of them i've never heard of in my life like warcraft 3 oh. what is that is that some small indie like eh, has it, will, will it how have they made a couple not other a warcraft? chance who knows not a chance but uh that has been episode 179 of the hungry gamers podcast miss hart anything you want to say before we close this off for another week Mm, it's bare and naked as the sound waves of only two people sounds um i look forward to us um having some special guests hell yeah hell yeah so we have uh just about finalized our roster for almost the entire calendar year which is crazy to be that organized uh for this Mm. podcast Uh, who would have thought but uh yeah our first special guest uh will be making a debut either next week or the following week we're just confirming schedules it's a familiar face you might have uh seen or heard this person in various 8-bit circles uh hell of a dude very very wise fellow but uh we're excited and then we're also going to be bringing in people from the broader video game community from both australia and abroad so get hyped for that but uh yeah this has been episode 179 miss hart is that it we done that's it let's uh wrap it up hell yeah all right and when we're wrapping audiotechnica.com.au for the best in audio-based equipment. Obviously, headphones, microphones, gaming headsets, turntables, you name it, they got it. They've been making us sound as good as we do since day one of the Hungry Gamers podcast. So check them out, audiotechnica.com.au or audiotechnica.com for our US and worldwide-based residents and obviously 8bitnation.net for all our content as well. But until next week, 8 Nation, I've been Brandon, that has been Ali. Much love. Stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.